Hi, I'm Dubba. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is the MTF podcast. Now, MTF is all about innovation, and especially interdisciplinary innovation. We put music at the center of everything, mainly because it's the one thing that can bring everyone together and act as a kind of social glue. It's the thing that everyone can agree is interesting, and it's a leaping off point for artists, scientists, academia, and industry to all work together. The innovation is key. The music, the thing we all love, is how we get there. When MTF moved its base to Stockholm last year, one of the first names that came across our radar was Suzanne Fugelsang. She's someone who thinks as much as we do about innovation and interdisciplinarity, not just as nebulous concepts and buzzwords, but as a set of concrete steps and tools that can be applied and managed. She's the COO of Innovation Pioneers, with clients ranging from Volvo and IKEA to Pernod Ricard, Ericsson and Tetra Pak. I met up with Suzanne for coffee at her Stockholm office and we chatted about the trouble with hackathons, the value of co-creation, why Stockholm is both a capital for innovation and a city of social equality and what connects those two things, and also how organisations can create a long-term innovation strategy. It was a really fascinating conversation for me with a lot of familiar themes that I've encountered in MTF and particularly from working with MTF's founder, Michaela Magus. It was great to spend a little bit of time with Suzanne Fugelsang, and I hope you'll enjoy. So I'm sitting here with Suzanne Fugelsang, and you are very active in innovation in Stockholm. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do? Yeah, I, I have the, the latest five years been working with um, what I call as, as an innovation catalyst, because primarily, primarily what I do is that I create meetings between different disciplines so they can co-create together. Uh, and it has been, uh, from the beginning, it was around hackathons and the format of hackathons uh, to create the interdisciplinary connections between academia and, and startups and, and um, organizations in social impact and, and um, companies. Uh, um, but from there, it went to actually uh, having a whole network of innovation leaders uh, from big companies. Uh, so what I do now is that I, I am uh, creating meeting places for, for my 50 members, uh, which uh, the company is called Innovation Pioneers. Uh, but it's a 10-year-old company that I, uh, I, I haven't founded. I, I took the assignment uh, this year, but uh, now I'm running it. And it's uh, about learning uh, and sharing uh, innovation capabilities uh, with each other. So my 50 members uh, actually do that. Uh, and what I do is I, I uh, produce four tank meetings and one summit a year so they can uh, meet and, and co-create and share knowledge. Is this people from different sectors, from education, from industry? Uh... It's very, very broad. So it's we try to cover as much as we can from the innovation ecosystem. So we have academia from RICE, for example, uh, or, or research, uh, and we have um, uh, governmental agencies with us, and we have, uh, of course, big companies like Volvo and IKEA. Uh, we have small startups also, uh, like Performance Gates. So it's a, it's a very broad membership base, but, but it's mostly uh, bigger companies uh, in that sense, because they are the ones who actually need uh, to learn and have benchmarking uh, knowledge. So, 
So the bigger company, the more need, of course. But the the beauty of this is that you also need it when you're a small company, of course. Uh, so they learn from each other. Do the bigger companies find innovation hard? I think everyone find, find innovation hard because it's easier said than done. Uh, but what... What's amazing is that in Sweden we are very generous, so I've been blown away by the by the power in the meetings we have because we they do share a lot with each other, so they kind of empower each other, which is really incredible. Because it could be like you know you don't want to say anything because you just want to listen and learn from the other, but but it's not like that. It's totally, you know, uh, open. Yeah. A lot of people talk about innovation at the moment, and in fact, it's 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 everywhere and everything. Um, how do you define it? Uh, for for me personally, it's about taking an idea into the stage of uh, validating it and commercializing it. So when it's out in the market, it's an innovation in my world. So just inventing something or coming up with an idea is not innovation? No, it has no to be definitely not. No. Understood. So you're in a place, I mean, you can tell me a little bit about where we are, but very much connected with creativity and music and, and these sorts of things. How does that fit into your world? I, I think it's basically around the fact that fashion, music, food, um, health, everything goes in together because it's not about specific branches that that wants to innovate, it's all branches. Uh, and the beauty of this is that it's even better if you're not in the same uh, area when you when you talk about innovation. Because, I mean, of course, you have to develop your own products within your own company. But if you when you talk about innovation, it is, it's mainly about giving, getting new perspectives. So when you are in a co-creating place like this at Alma, you, you can kind of just stumble upon those talents. And those companies so it's not the, uh, but it's also of course it gives us a lot of energy to, to be here but for our members it doesn't really matter because because we create other meeting places but for us as a company we believe it's good to be in, in other contexts like in other contexts like this mm. yeah so you say you came in as uh, essentially the leader of this uh, organization that this sort of 10 year old company from where? What's your story? How, mm. how did you come in and, and what qualifies you to be sort of the lead of innovation here in Stockholm? Mm. Well, the, the, the most important thing is that I'm not a leader of, of innovation. I'm the leader of the network that, that enhances innovation. So it, I am never the, the actual reason for innovation to, to come innovation. I am the enabler of that. So that's why I call myself a catalyst. It's all about creating the, the right atmosphere and the right processes. Uh, so the, the true heroes of innovation can come and, and innovate together. Uh, so, so that's my role. Uh, but my background is a, a mindset of being endless crea- um, curious, of not really fitting in anywhere, uh, about searching for that context where you could actually always be the one who, who always were looking for, for new new uh, insights and new perspectives. So for me, it was a kind of a journey to find innovation as my home base uh, because that matched my mindset 100%. Um, so it wasn't until I was 45 that I actually found my you know, context 
because uh, I've been in marketing for for a long time, for like 15 years mm-hmm. before that. And uh, that was as close I could come, but it wasn't really what I was looking for. But when technology and um, society kind of met and it became the focus of being a, uh, being a, you had to have this mindset of, of, of truly uh, adapting to change then suddenly my my kind of personality fitted right in uh, so I found the format of hackathons for five years ago uh, and I fell in love with that and I was really good at that and what I was good at it was to 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 make people um, uh, creative together so it was about listening a lot to make people work together and then to create these safe environments to co-create and the topics were so amazing you, you know I've been working with NASA for open data I've been, where you, you you know you, you use uh, space data to create new services on earth or I've been uh, working with um, social impact uh, Projects like Reach for Change, you know, to, to have ideas around uh, uh, new services in, in African countries. I've been doing, you know, for the Stockholm City with open data. Uh, I've been able to work with the food industry and the milk industry, whatever. It, and and the, I did a brainathon where we work with the, the, the brain research from uh, the, the big, uh, uh, what do you say, mm. It's called GIH. It's um, uh, I don't know the English name for it, but, but it's the university where you uh, get to be a gymnastic teacher and stuff like that. Uh, so, so the topic ha- has been amazing, and, and I learned so much. And it's all about creating a better society. Mm-hmm. So it can't be better, you know. You you can be engaged in very very um, advanced topics, but yet you can work with what you've think is fun, meaning uh, enable people to be creative. One of the criticisms of hackathons is often that people sit around, they do 24 hours and they drink all the Red Bull and they they have a good time and they invent really amazing things, Mm -hmm. but when they're finished, Mm -hmm. the projects get left on the floor, they go off to the pub and congratulate Mm -hmm. themselves on how clever they are, but nothing Mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. And you were saying that that, uh, to you, innovation Mm -hmm. doesn't happen until it becomes Mm, product. Mm. What, how do we address the, the gap mm. between Well, I, I think I... Because I, it's so good that you asked that question because one of the the most annoying things I know is people talking about hackathons that haven't really even been on one or understands how the process is used, is, how it's used nowadays. Mm. So from... If you go back five years, then hackathon or even 10, 15 years, then hackathons was about uh, mainly guys sitting in a in a whatever kind of location and, and just programming and hacking new stuff. But it's, go, it's gone so long beyond that. And so what it is now, and the only thing I have been working with the last couple of years is, is a, it is a tool for companies to use internally to, um, to co-create with other perspectives, meaning their own ecosystem. And then having a long-term innovation strategy where that processes fit in. So it's not about an event. It is about a tool that they use on and on again. But they, they have it in their toolbox. So it's not about... It's gone from that event 
to a toolbox within their innovation strategy. So what I do, what I've been doing the last couple of years is to help clients either start that innovation long-term strategy where Hackathon has been one of the tools, but uh, it is, it, it nowadays it's a lot of, um, it's like when you, it's, everyone wants to, to have an opinion about it, but they don't really understand what it is about. So I, I get really frustrated when I hear people say, well, well, there, there's always a lot of fun on a hackathon, but like you say, nothing comes out of it. Uh, and, and I believe that's the truth. If you handle it like a one-time event, that is, what, that is what happens. But the companies I work with, they see it as a tool for their innovation strategy. So it means what happens after the hackathon is one thing, meaning they actually have a process to take care of the ideas that comes out. They validate it and they uh, prototype it. And after that, they test it and then they actually implement it. So it's not about the event. Um, and, but I of, so often hear that. So I'm, I'm starting to really feel that I need to go out there and tell people it's, it's so much more than that. And, and these events, uh, the, or this tool, I guess, is that used internally within a company for their staff? Uh, it can be used both. Uh-huh. So it, it's now used both as an internal tool where you actually get the, the company together as a whole, meaning that you can bridge all the different business areas and the different levels of people from, from management if you want to see it as a level. But, but it is about getting that entrepreneurship kind of mindset mm. into the co- companies. Because one of the other main criticisms of hackathons mm. that you often hear mm. is that uh, big companies do these kind of, we're, we're holding a hackathon, come mm. and bring us your ideas, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And then we'll take those ideas and make money from yeah. them and, and maybe give you a cash prize, but yeah. but you don't own the IP. Yeah. And, and even there are there are contracts yes. at some businesses that say, yeah. you know, you do our hackathon, we own your ideas. How do you address that kind of IP issue? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's, uh, it's a um, entitled kind of criticism so what I try to do is when I uh, meet the new client if, if, it is, if it is about a hackathon I, I'm very eager to tell them that you know you can't have a view about using people in this you have to have a really you have to have a process you have to think about how to handle the ideas afterwards and uh, 99% of what I do is always open source so it means you can't own anything after this uh, event so it means that everyone owns everything, uh, and but but there is also other projects where you write on on uh, then you sign an NDA, and that's how you solve the IP issues, mm-hmm. because it, it's all about uh, transparency. Uh, but I I do agree that companies have a misjudge misjudgments when it comes to using the format even internally, mm-hmm. that they kind of think it is about you know uh, we can just do this as a fun thing and then uh, but I, I I would never recommend that to a company mm. so when I have assignments I always tell them you have to t- treat this really uh, in, a, in a manner that the staff feels that you have a, a long-term thought about it and you have to think about the rewards afterwards and the rewards cannot be like a prize money it has to be about empowerment of the of themselves and you know their own education and their own you know way of developing and then it's about the H&R issue 
And that is what happens now. I get clients from the H&R departments and the CEOs. And that's how it should be treated. It should not be treated as an as a event and a, like, like a fun party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, it's totally fine if people do that. I can't forbid anyone to do that. I, I love them too. But I don't want people to think that's the only way you use a hackathon because a hackathon is just a name for a design thinking process. And if you understand that, you can't really, you know, criticize criticize it as an event because then it's just a scientific kind of process that you can implement whenever you want to. And you say that uh, that your experience in Sweden or Stockholm specifically is that uh, companies are very generous. Very generous when it comes to... They can be a bit naive also, and the naivety comes in about thinking that everyone wants to come and contribute. So that's where the naivety comes in. Then I have to really say that it's, you cannot expect people to come and, and give you two days or whatever the hackathon's length is, and they will get nothing. It's, but it is about the long-term involvement. What, what are they getting out of it? Mm. And since Stockholm especially has been a very, very popular city of using hackathons, we are overwhelmed with hackathons in Stockholm. So that's why we also, I think, have this opposite effect that people feel a bit used. Mm. Uh, but I'm not one of those who contributes to that user kind of knowledge. I, I always We even pay people uh, to come to hackathons. Uh, if that's the, the case, we think it's better. What is it about Stockholm? Because Stockholm has two reputations on, on this category. One is that it's the innovation capital of the Western world. Mm-hmm. And the other one is that it's oh, this slogan, it's a woman's place, that it's a very gender equal uh, and it's welcoming and, and, uh, and thinks about these things like diversity and equality mm-hmm. and, and those sorts of things. What is it about Stockholm that, that makes it possible? Where does that come from? Um, I think uh, the easy answer to that is that that we have a culture of we are not a higher hierarchical society, so we have this more where the organizations are more equal. Uh, that in turn that translates into that when you talk about innovation uh, and creating new stuff, uh, people, you know, it's not hard to get a meeting with the CEO in Sweden mm. or whatever title you have. It's not impossible, you know. It's you can simply form them if that's the case. Uh, but for example, I have experience from working with South Korea, where it's impossible to even you know have a talk with a CEO. So it means that we have a mindset uh, in in Sweden that we are equal, meaning that we can have connections with all levels in a in an organization, and it also helps because we have a, we have come. Uh, quite far when it comes to equality, even though we have a lot to, to work on still. But so it means that all of those things together makes it so much more easier to get access to knowledge that you need. But we also have the actual ecosystem that supports that. So we have the, you know, the financing of from governmental agencies and we have uh, financing from VCs or crowdfunding, or we have all those, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, the, the things that you need to be an entrepreneur in Sweden. Mm. We have access to. It's easy to start a company. Uh, so I would say it's a, it's a combination of an open society, a, a kind of gender equality society, 
together with uh, that, that we have access to capital quite quite easy and to knowledge. Mm. And you mentioned interdisciplinarity before, that that's a really important thing for, for innovation. Um, can you want to say a little bit more about that? Because when I think of, uh, you know, sort of a traditional hackathon, like you said, mm. it's, it's engineering guys in a room, mm. coding, and yeah. those sorts of things. What's the value of bringing in different perspectives in that respect for you? Mm. The, the thing I have experienced is the most magical thing, is... is on different levels. The first level, if, if you do an internal hackathon, then it's the magic is around that the finance department sits with the customer service departments and the CEO uh, or, or um, uh, whatever other kind of departments there are. And they actually co-create together for, for something that is a, a um, challenge that they all work towards. So it is the magic of the feeling that you, you you get to know people that you wouldn't have known, and it also a bit of feeling that you you are involved in the company's actual devel- development. Um, but it's mainly about people, so it 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 is about the force of people meeting uh, over borders, which is crazy magical, and and that's what the process makes. So in the in the long term, it's about. Uh, having a more um, inclusive work environment. That's what the process uh, gives. Mm. But of course, it, it should also give some kind of idea that they actually can implement. Um, that was the internal thing. The, where, when it comes to doing a hackathon, which most of, of my clients do, when you actually include um, other perspectives outside the company, then it is about that the ideas get so much more interesting because it is from perspectives that you internally would never think about so the magic there is lies in that you actually contribute more when you don't have all the you know politic um, internal stuff hanging on your shoulders and when you actually can feel free to just say whatever you want to in a, in a safe environment so that's what makes it so incredibly useful that you have ideas that you would no, never think about because you are so restricted within your own kind of uh, thought process. So, that, so that's the, the, once again, it's about people, but it's also about, you know, having other insights that you wouldn't have thought about mm. uh, internally. What would you say is your connection to Music Tech Fest? Uh, it, it's, it's been mainly through Michaela, but... Um, uh, and and the reason I fell in love with both her and, and the music test fest is because you do what I think is the most necessary thing in society today. It is about bringing technology and creative people together because that's when when we can really have a, a the best solutions. I would say, and it's the same in in the environments I work with. It's all about co-creating and, and finding the best solutions for things. And, and I think technology as a driver is so important, but it's still about the people's use of that. And that's what you do. You create that intersection. And I want to create the intersection for, for similar courses, but, but more for like business solutions. Mm. So the relationship is that I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what are you most proud of uh, that you've done while you've been here? It is about the magic that I create when people meet. That that's what I'm most proud of. I, I know that they um, 
they go home from our like tank meetings and summits a bit more they know a bit more and they have more uh, support within their own work environment Fantastic. Suzanne, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Suzanne Fugelsang, Innovation Catalyst and COO at Innovation Pioneers in Stockholm. And that's the MTF podcast. If you've enjoyed, please like, share, subscribe. And if you're listening in Overcast, which is my favorite podcasting app, there's a little star icon. Clicking on that will help other people find us, and we'd really appreciate it. Hope you have a great week. Cheers. (laughs) 